Gaming on the Frontier. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of teaching your GMs how to really mess you up for fun. I'm, I was going to say hurt me, daddy, but now I'm afraid to. PG-13, dude, come on. And we're not doing this for profit, so fun is, fun is the only thing we can get out of it. Okay, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week we are talking about horror and how to use various aspects of horror to debuff the players. not the, Well, not the players, the player characters. Uh, we have talked about horror before, about disquieting effects. That was back in episode 6, I believe, 615 and 616, which was yeah. way back in last uh, April. And we've also talked about horror games before. But what we're specifically trying to do this time is we're trying to say, look, what are your options, which may or may not be in your system? And and we're all in favor of you guys adding to your system and going outside the box and not playing rules as written. All right, so there's fear, all right, which you know, it, it has a number of different representations, okay? Some creatures have an aura of fear. Some creatures, uh, they, 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 they use it as an attack. Some creatures have some kind of fear touch, okay? Uh, but, you know, some creatures create psychic damage, like I said, but I don't really like psychic damage because all it does is affect your hit points. Uh, one of the things that can also happen to you from D&D is paralysis. And I think that that's a way, way, way underutilized and underrepresented. You know, I mean, it's like, you can't move. Oh, okay. I can just stand here like my feet are tied to the ground, but I can still do anything I want to. You know, the whole point of this... It, I mean, yeah. and, and that's the way it is. It's one of the statuses. You are paralyzed, as in you can't move. Okay. Uh, and I don't like the fact that they did that because to me, paralyzed is like held person. You shouldn't be able to do anything. You're literally. Oh, no, no. If, oh, no. They put in, in the conditions for Pathfinder paralyzed. You cannot move. It's not just you can't run or walk, you can only take purely mental actions. Now, if you have psychic powers, yeah, then you're fine. But you can't okay. cast spells. You can't so run. You, you can't, you fight, can't... can't evade. Yeah. Right, you can't take physical actions, is what you're saying. No, not at all. All right, you well, take I, minuses. I know that in various games, yep. in various versions of D and D, it's not like that. I like paralysis because what, and this and this builds into that whole horror aspect of it. You're paralyzed, and the thing that did it to you or its minions are drawing closer to you. And oh yeah, you can't run away. You can't stop them. They're just coming closer and closer. And the GM should just <coughs> pile that on to the player, you know, and the three, player. Three words, Bruce, coup de gras. <laughs> well, not just that. The player's like, guys, guys, help, help. I can't move. I don't know why. I say, this is, they're coming, they're coming. You know, it's, it, I mean, in many ways, it, it um, when they're reading, I got that same feeling when they, in the Lord of the Rings, when they're reading out of the book, talking about, 
you know, how they were trapped in that room. He says, the drums. He says, we can't get out. They're coming. We can't get out. And um, and, and, and that <laughs> feeling of dread that they yeah. did so well in the in the movie, that's what you're trying for in this. Okay, so, so if you can paralyze somebody, first of all, that means that somebody else, if they're there, has to do something for them. Either they have to cast some kind of counterspell or they have to pick them up and carry them away, <coughs> which in some of the systems is terrible. You're reduced down to like 10, 10 feet per action. I mean, yeah, yeah that's really bad. Encumbrance okay. rules come into play. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, is it yeah. picking up somebody and carrying them is like a 10 foot is 10 foot per action in um, in some versions. I prefer the okay, you're encumbered, you move half your normal move speed. Yeah. That's better. I mean, it's you know, because 30 now goes. <coughs> to 15 but 30 to 10 yep. isn't that much difference but you know it's it sounds pretty bad um anyways so you're trying to get this person out of there of course if, if they're being held because something has reached it out of the ground and grabbed them then you're going to have to hack away at whatever it is is doing that to free them before you can do that so that adds to the fact of you're there knowing that at any moment you could be paralyzed too. You're trying to save your buddy. Your buddy's like, you pleading with you, please, you know, get me out of here. You know, it's they're coming, they're getting closer, you know, and you know, I mean, sounds sounds great, right? <laughs> so paralysis, great stuff, great stuff. It, it's a little bit, it's a little bit on the high end compared to some of the other stuff we're talking about, but definitely don't be afraid to use that. Yeah. Okay. I was just double checking, but yeah, in, in fifth edition D D, the paralyzed condition automatically also incorporates the incapacitated condition, which incapacitated is you can't take action or reactions, and then paralysis. <laughs> paralyzes added on to that so that you also can't move or speak and then you also oh. so if you're paralyzed you already can't take actions All but right. again that's in fifth edition i don't i can't you know going back to older editions i can't remember right well i recall per paralysis was literally you couldn't move and couldn't take any actions okay because that's what the ghouls were able to do mm -hmm. i mean first here you are, first level and second level characters. You run into a two hit die ghoul, okay, and he touches you. And unless you're an elf, you're stuck there for like turns. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that's why one of the reasons why everybody wanted to play an elf in first edition because it's nah, like okay. we're not, we don't, we don't, we can't be slept and we can't be ghoul frozen, ghoul touched. Yeah. yeah so uh, yeah. OGL paralyzed. A paralyzed character is frozen in place and unable to move or act. They have an effective dex and strength score of zero and is helpless, which means you could be coup de grace, yes. but can take purely mental actions. A winged creature flying in the air at the time becomes paralyzed, cannot flap its wings and falls. A paralyzed swimmer cannot swim and may drown. A creature may move through a space occupied by a paralyzed creature, ally or not. Each square occupied by a paralyzed creature, however, counts as two squares to move through. Well, yeah, because you're having to dodge this, this flesh statue that's in your way. Yeah, but those are the that's the official paralyzed condition for 3035 OGL. Um, okay. So kind of yeah. similar what Jonathan just said. Yeah. yeah. Five is yeah. a little bit, a little bit more lenient because, like, like I said, it, it's you, you can't move, you can't speak, and then you also incapacitated, so you can't take action or reaction. You also automatically fail any strength or dexterity saving throws. Yep. Any attack rolls against you have advantage, so they get to roll two d20s yep. and take the higher. And any attack that gets through oh. your armor class and hits is if they're within five feet of you is an automatic critical hit. So you don't have necessarily oh. the coup de grace. But, but that crit may take you out. Oh. Yeah. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Five E with that. They 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 ain't playing no more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> They're a little yeah. bit more we're, forgiving. We're but licking still that bad. claw to get it nice and lubricated yeah. before we slice it through your neck. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like I said, visualization is important, GM. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now the the next two things are are not. Uh, well, they, they probably aren't anywhere near as bad, okay, as far as these things that we just talked about, where it literally takes you out of action, okay? But there's a lot of wards that can be put up. Uh, it can be it can be literally the area in which you're in. It can be the monster itself that are that are warded against other creatures because paladins are warded. You know, get you know, monsters trying to attack paladins in certain editions had to be you know, they had an automatic protection from evil up. So monsters trying to attack them was a minus two to hit. Okay, so likewise, a monster could have a protection from good and therefore. You know, be uh, you know, you'd be harder to hit. Okay? So even though you're you're normal, the effect is you're you're essentially being debuffed by this. Okay, so these protection type effects. Okay, uh, from you and your your uh, the things that you're trying to do in in five uh, in three and five layer, they had things like, for example, resistances or uh, you know uh, or even immunities. You know, where essentially they were removing. Lowering the amount of effectiveness of your attacks uh, and making them not just appear but actually be more powerful because of that. You know, so uh, also things that can do this to you is disease. Okay, disease. Uh, depending upon the disease you have, usually will in, in, in you know will inflict um, uh, disadvantage on certain types of things. Minuses to your con checks, you know your your intelligence checks, weather checks. There's a uh, in fifth edition. Uh, there is a fifth level spell called Contagion, and it has oh yeah, it has like five one or six wonderful things you can choose from. Blinding sickness, pain grips the creature's mind, his eyes from milky white, has disadvantage on wisdom and saving uh, checks and saving throws. And is blinded. Okay, well, you know, we already know that you know being blinded makes it really, really hard to hit your opponents and stuff like that. And you feel really vulnerable. Filth fever, lovely term. Erasing oh, yeah. fever, which by the way, you get from like rats. It's not that big of a yeah. deal. I mean, except here it's really bad, because it's probably the upgraded version. Um, creature has disadvantage on strength checks saving throws, and attack rolls that use strength. There's also flesh rot. The victim's flesh decays. Open sores break out. You know, just, just, the, it looks bad. I mean, this, you talk about your bad skin. I mean, really bad, okay? Like the, the creature dead has, looking in the mirror in Poltergeist. Yeah, or like in, in like, uh, the Night of the Demons. Uh, the cre uh, uh, or, uh, you know, <laughs> I forget which movie it was where the guy literally looks at himself in the mirror and finds this little spot on his face. That's starts, Poltergeist. That's oh, what I was referring it? to. Oh, yeah. gosh. That was so awful. Uh, anyways, Christmas... Disadvantage on Christmas and vulnerable to all damage. Meaning any damage done to you is doubled. All right. Nasty. Mind fire. They become feverish. Creature has disadvantage on intelligence checks, saving throws, and they act as if they're under the confusion spell during combat. Meaning that sometimes you just stop and do nothing. I, you know, or they attack their own side by mistake, or they just, you know, they do, or they attack the right person, <laughs> just because. It can happen, you know. So there's a lot of really bad things like that, okay? Uh, seizure. Creatures overcome with shaking. Disadvantage on dexterity checks 
and all that stuff and attack rolls that use dexterity so well so you know your your thief with their uh, uh with their uh, sneak attack well if they can't get successful hit they can't use that damage and then my favorite slimy doom creature begins to bleed uncomfortable uncontrollably creature has disadvantage on constitution checks and constitution save throws guess what folks this is why is this my favorite because in order to save against it, you have to make a constitution check. It's Fort already, save, yeah. Yeah, it's all, yep. you know. So in addition, when the creature takes damage, it is stunned until the end of its next turn. So this, to me, is the best one. So, um, you know, now what's um, not real clear about is whether you get the disadvantage on the first check or just every check afterwards. Uh, there is also, and I have used this, there is a third-party OGL thing. I do believe it is made by LPJ Designs by the wonderful role-playing game designer, Louis J. Porter, and it is simply called Diseases. Basically, hi, you can use... You can come up, and it's got several diseases already listed. I mean, we're even talking cancer, AIDS, the flu, Ebola, you know, all this. And they have broken them down to OGL stats and the, the conditions you have and the con drain or damage or wisdom drain or damage that you would take from failing a save like every day or every week or whatever. And, okay, it's not that one. Um, but yeah, there is a, and I'm not trying to diminish having coronavirus at all. Heck, I've had it put me in the hospital. But I... In my Bureau 13 game, they came back to Earth after a time. Oh, yeah, we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. You mean there's COVID there? Yeah. And and one of my players goes, you did not do OGO COVID. Why? Yes, I did. And I showed the PDF that you're a sick man trap. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's there is <laughs> just, yeah, it was. No denying it. Yeah. It, oh, no, no. But, hey, He's uh, embracing it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. But yeah, and I'm having trouble finding it now, but it's from LPJ Design, and you can basically make the diseases if you research, oh, you know, and you can go to the CDC site, cdc.gov, and oh, a disease has this and this and this, and you can make the disease and say, okay, if you catch this disease through inhalation or you get it via contact, it will give game penalties and, and whatnot and conditions that you suffer for, as I said, cancer, AIDS, influenza, the common cold, E. coli, Ebola, or E. coli. That's the one. So yeah, that's a good source if you really want to get technical and use diseases in your OGL game. Mm -hmm. And just, I found it, and as I said, I said, yeah, I'm making <laughs> OGL COVID. Just these, I looked up the symptoms and this was granted a couple years ago. So information might've changed, but yeah, I was like, oh no, somebody gets this. Oh, they're going to, yeah, <laughs> they might as well be the walking dead. And again, I'm not trying to diminish those who have had coronavirus. It just, yeah, all this, the, the symptoms that I saw are possible. I'm like, oh, oh, I can see why bed rest is, is mandatory. Just, ugh. <laughs> my character sheet would be down to a first level character's ability with this. Yeah. Right. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, you know, not to diminish that, but uh, all these, like, these diseases I just mentioned, okay, and there and you and as there as Trav mentions, there's you can create infinite number of them. These all yeah. apply buffs, debuffs to the player characters, and you can apply each one of them to a different monster. Okay, so oh, yeah. th so that you know you're not just being attacked by one monster with one effect, and you're you you know only certain characters are going to be affected by that. You can be attacked by multiple monsters with multiple things, like you know uh, you know say the the horde of rats. It's got the fill fever. Okay, and then something else could have, you know, uh, uh, the um, the flesh rot. Okay, you know, so uh, or even the slimy doom. You know, especially slimes. By the way, <laughs> you know, 
so my, my point is, is that these things uh, are debuffing your players, okay? And and you need to really describe what's happening to them, okay? And if, you, and, and if you're not playing D&D, then these things can be very enduring. You know, they can last on and on and on so that you get somebody who has like the bleeding uncontrollably, okay, fine. They, after an initial amount of time, they, they bind it up and stuff like that. It stops doing that until the next time they get injured. And then all of a sudden it breaks open again and they start bleeding again. All right. Yeah. So you, you can keep that debuff going. Okay. Because, uh, uh, you know, in D&D, they have like swords of, um, of bleeding. It's one of the things. Uh, and that that particular weapon, uh, you know, you, you can't he magically heal the damage. Damage. You can only physically heal the damage by binding and stuff, and you might want to have to say things like, "Well, okay, you, you know, the only way to make it stop is for you to burn, you know, the wound closed, you know, a searing kind of effect." You yeah, know, cauterize. Uh, yeah, cauterize it, you know, uh, or uh, with a hot poker, you know. And so now they're looking around for ways to <laughs> to basically take hit points of damage so that they don't keep bleeding. Because like Tritag games, they have bleeding rules, uh, excessive blood loss. And you can, and if you keep losing blood, then you know you will. It will make it easier for you to become stunned and a lot of other things like that because you're you have this minus off of your overall hit points. You know whether you get healed, even though you get healed back, you know it's it's not going to be as effective because you're constantly losing it. There's also artifacts that impose some of these conditions on you as a side effect for using the major power of the artifact. Uh, we had this one guy who had this item and it basically made him bleed all the time. Just blood, just covered in blood, dripping down. And he actually made it work for him because he just, what he did was he made wooden armor, okay? And he had the, and he had the roots going down getting redder and redder to the bottom of his armor. So all the blood, so it looked like blood was feeding into the armor you know, and, and empowering him. Even though he was weaker <laughs> as a result, he used it to good effect. So uh, kind of intimidating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, if you, uh, and a good example of this kind of thing also is uh, if you've read Thinner by, um, uh, well, Stephen King, yeah. done by Stephen King, but, it was under the pseudonym of Richard Bachman. Yeah, that was one of the... Ah, uh, yes, his pen name. Yeah. Right. Anyways, uh, the point is that these people get these curses, and it's slowly they get worse and worse and worse. As one guy gets thinner and thinner, he's going to get weaker because he can't eat. No matter how much he eats, he still gets thinner. This other guy basically just broke out in all kinds of, 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 of skin eruptions to the point where, you know, he was constantly an oozy mess, and uh, he commits suicide. And there's other things that can, can do. So you can inflict these kinds of conditions on the players and, you know, bring them to various stages until the curse is broken. And, of course, uh, yes, they... bestow, bestow curse and remove curse. Yes. Yeah. And and, so, and not only that, but also the quest. Um, what is it? Uh, it's not called quest. It's called something else. But if you yes. fail, yes, thank you. If you fail to do it, then you start getting progressively more debuffs to you. So, yeah. you know, and, and this, you know, and, and, and some of these curses could be considered to be quests uh, or geas is because the geas is to get the cure, is to kill the monster that gave it to you so, so that you can get it off of you. 
or something like that. So, you know, like I said, D&D has lots and lots of stuff, but if you just treat it mechanically, you're going to fail to convey that sense of horror, you know, and you're and, and you're going to fail uh, at in an adventure. I mean, you, you know, the players may complete it, but they're not going to be, you're not going to have that sense of closure, of success, of triumphing over what looked to be, you know, impossible odds, you know, which they've been experiencing because you keep, reminding them that oh you know, yeah you know he says it's, you reach you reach for your cup uh, of coffee and your hand is shaking and you're afraid for a second that shaking sickness has come back that seizure has come back but then you real you realize it's, you're just you're just cold it's just the cold you drink the coffee and it stops <laughs> it's, you know uh, the gm's got to really work overtime with this kind of stuff and keep track yeah that that's the thing issues. you got to you got to keep that balance of letting the characters know okay you have these penalties which are making you do things and the gm it's a matter of being a good gm to really implore upon your players and their characters that okay this is how you would feel this is you know from doing this, and I mean, again, there are some people, well, I feel the way I feel. Um, if you have these conditions, you're pretty sure that, the, you know, having that loss of um, control because this affliction has taken your body, yeah, it, 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 it GM's got to be really good with his words and the tone to bring that across to the player with the character. And I did find out that PDF about making diseases OGL. It's called Modern Maladies, so... I remember. I was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. have it, but you. Met, I remember someone mentioning it before. Yeah. I just. I was trying to dig through it while you guys were in talking. Six, in six hundred and fifty no. episodes, somebody should have mentioned it. Something. Right? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds familiar. But um. Right. But no. The the whole thing with with you saying that. Oh yeah. You need to be able to convey. That would be the. A, a sign of a well-practiced game master that through words and tone and intonation of you know how things are that you are able to be that emotive that's yeah. the word i was looking for and a sign of a good player is someone who doesn't resist that but embraces that and adds yes. to their you know contributes in the storytelling to talk about how it's affecting them in a negative fashion to help build and and maintain that that horror in the story that you're experiencing, sure. The basic because, rule of improv is, and role play is yes and. This is not the GM inflicting this on you. This is everybody engaging in this kind of story. This is the GM giving you a gift that you can play off of. Oh, absolutely. And you can you can use it to you know, uh, or some people will use it very negatively. They can say, "Well, I'm insane, therefore I can do whatever I want to to this other player." And believe me, uh... I have seen everything in my experience oh, sure. you know where people have justified you know bad behavior you know by saying well, i was insane or i was you know this or that you're not even not even bringing up the the whole alignment system just you know oh yeah you know i was i was insane so i can't be held responsible for what i did you know and you know with cro you know cross grudging Stuff like that. I've seen it happen. Yeah. All right. Now, if your game has a reputation system, a lot of them do. Um, uh, I'm trying to think here. Uh, a D uh, a D20 Modern definitely does. Has a reputation system. Yeah, they did. System. Yep. Yep. Okay. In other words, anything that tarnishes that reputation should induce horror and mental distress in the PC. For example, coming into contact with leprosy, plague, undead, having open source causes the NPCs around you to recoil from you. 
It causes yeah. people not to want to do business with you, to, 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 to literally run you out of town. That would be the, depending on the on the NPC that you're dealing with, because in, in the reputation rules for D20 Modern, it is if the person you're you know, trying to get a reputation of, it's whether they see you as famous or infamous. And if you've been around, uh, yeah, I was at a leper colony and this and that, you're not going to get the famous thing. You're going to be like, get away from me. Right. And the, fam- the, the, the famous and infamous is, I think famous, you get a plus four to bluff, diplomacy, perform, and intimidate. If you are infamous, the intimidate is the only thing that gets the plus four. The bluff, perform, and diplomacy all get a minus four. So there is a game mechanic involved with reputation for OGL and you can port right. that to other DD games. Yeah. Right. And if you have a patron, <clears throat> your patron may abandon you, which could could greatly eliminate resources that you have been relying on. Oh yeah. 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 It's like what you are the, bringing that leprosy back here. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. One of the great advantages um, of of being a, a, a even a baby royalty such as the knight in the Middle Ages was the fact that they could demand shelter any place, you know, to, from any lord or any anybody, wherever they went, they could just simply demand it. It's not like the United States where we have, literally have a law that says that, you you know, uh, people, soldiers cannot be um, billeted in people's private homes, okay? You literally, would, you know, you walk up, some keep go banging on the door and says, I am night so, you know, sir so-and-so, and I am requesting shelter for the night. They have to give you something. They, you know, I mean, uh, you know, they probably won't bed you down in the stable. They'll probably, they might put you, you know, in servant quarters if they don't like you or they don't like your patron, you know, your king or whatever. But the point is that they are obligated to do so because if you don't, they don't do it, then your king could very well send a force against them. It's yeah. like, and their friends are going to be like, we're not going to help you. All you had to do is put them up for the night and you had to be, you know, you had to be stupid about it. So but it's really great because you can go in there, you get fed. You don't have to carry all kinds of food. You don't have to worry about getting attacked at night because you're in a you're in somebody's shelter. They're providing cover for you, and it's a great thing. And people do not do it in any of the role playing games I've ever seen. And I think that's a big mistake. Except maybe uh, was it uh, Castles and Crusaders or um, oh I can't think of that one. It was way way back. Um, had its own make-your-own-magic system. Oh, oh, I can't think of it. Anyways, uh, yeah, but it, it included knights, a lot of knight stuff to it. So, yeah. Uh, if you have a paladin uh, cavalier, you know, you want that your horse taken care of at the night. Go up to one of these keeps, well, uh, a large farm or something like that. They are obligated, you know, and if they're not, if they don't think they're obligated, you know, they should... Unless they kill you in your sleep, they better be. They'll be ruined. They'll be worried because it's going to come back to them. Would you tell your patron, you know, you know how you were mistreated by this scabby little farm uh, um, a lord or this, especially a mayor of a town or all kinds of things like that? That's you know most places they would. They would, uh, the mayor would invite you into his own house because he wants to be on the good side of whoever is your patron. So I'm just saying, though, is it that's why reputation is so important and why you don't want to lose it. Uh, and it's yeah. true. It's true anywhere. I mean, you know, I, you know. Well, the samurai. If you play an Asian themed game, huh? samurai. You, yeah, you would have. Okay, I, I am a samurai of the daimyo, whoever. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're a Ronin, which is a masterless samurai, you don't have the pull of that Ronin of that daimyo or Oyabin on anymore. Right. Oyoba. Uh- 
Oya Bun. Yeah, that's it. Okay. So yeah, that works in the Asian games too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, um, Blade Runner. You know. Yeah. He says. He says to our hero. He says, "If you're not cop, you're little people. Yeah. You you want to be a cop. You want to you want to be on our side. You want to work for us." Because the, everyone, everyone's gonna cut, you know, is gonna give you sl- slack, except the bad guys, of course, and they're gonna, yeah. they're gonna, they're gonna be wary. And he does that. He walks around and he goes and, you know, he walks into a place and some guy gives him trouble. And he says, hey, he shows his badge, you know, and says, uh, you know, when was the last time this place got a, got a health inspection? And the guy says, this man is obviously dry. Get him a drink. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and literally, you know, and he was okay with, you know, the, the, the Blade Runner was okay with it. He took his drink. But at the same time as that he was, you know, looking around, he was now on the inside. He had, he had cover from the head guy now just so he could look around, look for the person he was really there for. Even though the guy wouldn't help him, he's now in a position to do it, to use his observational skills. So even though you may not get exactly what you want, you still can get an event. And so losing that is bad. Okay. And that's there is a, yeah, I was going to say, there's a phrase I came up with in college due to my own misadventures while there. There are only two things that count in life, image and results. If you gain one, you gain the other. If you lose one, you lose the other. And that applied just what Bruce said. The guy copping the door, you know, flashes the badge and uses the health inspector thing. And this guy gets his results. He's now there. He can look around for the guy and he's getting a free drink. You know? And it's another example of losing. You lose one, you lose the other. Let's say you practice martial arts and you sit there and, you know, bad mouth and, oh, yeah, I did this and this and this. And some guy kicks your butt. You just lost that image of being a badass because you got your butt kicked by someone who just happened to be better than you. Yeah. And in, so, yeah, get in, yeah. in classic martial art films, you know, if you're the head of a, uh, a karate school, all your students now leave and go to another yep. karate school and you're impoverished. Yep. Yep. That was back in the day. You made your living by that. And if you had any loss in reputation or one of your students got their butt kicked, or the master did, yeah, you were done. You were out begging for change in the streets. Yeah. If you were lucky, you but, uh, became an instructor under the uh, the the other school. The yeah, new guy who yeah, just came and kicked like, your butt. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and and usually, you know, and again, you know, enlightened self-interest. If if it wasn't just a classic, you know, you know, scenery chewing villain, they'd be like, I you know, th- I beat this guy. I'm the best, but he's second best. I really should keep him around to 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 help train my students. They did that in like, um. Oh God. Kung Fu Hustle, the guy, the toad, okay. when Stephen Chow's character beat the toad, uh-huh. he acquiesced to him. He said, okay, I want you to train me because you did, you know, the yes. all-powerful hand. Yeah, yeah. Right, and a lot of times that does happen in those kind of martial art films. Immediately upon defeating your enemy, he drops down and says, please train me, master. Yeah. And and sometimes they say, okay, fine. So now it's a good way of getting henchmen, you know. But, you know, as long as you treat them properly— you know, then that would be good. But but then it's really easy to, again, you could lose. Or they could gang up on you. But that's, that's aside. Let's say the reputation, if you have a reputation system in your game, then, you know, being able to take minuses to that reputation, you know, make, can make a big difference. It can make it big. It can affect your wealth. In, in, in case of D20 Modern, it can affect your wealth rating. It can affect your uh, intimidation checks and um uh and your and your persuasion your social checks. skills yeah your yeah. social skills yep i mean you may find yourself uh with having lonely nights i mean whatever it is you know it's uh i'm saying don't don't uh look to see whether you have a reputation system and see how that can be used 
you know, because there is one. Yeah. Okay. There, there is one for Pathfinder straight up. It's in the ultimate campaign and the score goes from zero to a hundred. So there is one officially in Pathfinder, but the D20, I, I personally use the D20 modern one. I've been using it. It works for me. And just, yeah, but Pathfinder does have official rules in ultimate campaign, which is the one where you can do kingdoms and settlements and downtime stuff. It's in that book. They do have one for that. No, reputation. Oh, no, I've used it a lot where, okay, you suffer because this person does. Um, Okay, example, Reader's Digest. My buddy Z had a character. He was a rock star. Drunk driver killed his partner. Name splattered through all the media, used his wealth to get out of massive jail time. I imposed penalties on him. It's like, and they were you know, down south, uh, Calhoun, Georgia, actually, you're, you're, you're neck of the woods there, Bruce. And so the general mindset, oh, you're one of them rock stars who used his fame and fortune, to, you know, after that drunk driving accident. We don't like you much because you, you know, you play the devil's music and you were living in sin and you were debauchery and you went driving and killed that boy. Yeah. yeah so we're, we're honest it, people. We're honest, simple people. We are, you know. Yeah. We don't, we, oh, you know, no. We, I, yeah, I warned Z. This is the area. This is the mind, the general mindset. We are not trying to, you know, there's always exceptions to rule and stereotypes are not all fulfilling, but this is the general mindset of the Regency. Your character is going to have to deal. You're a New York City singer and drummer who did this and you're down in r- relatively rural Georgia. There yeah. is going to be a chance a lot of people won't like you because of this character's background. Yeah. Right. The, the five, the little, the little five year old mop head comes over and spits on the ground in front of you and turns around and runs away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're just and, and, you're, now, and talk about your psychic damage. Oh Yeah. And there's two or three things from Blazing Cells about the little kid shooting Gene Wilder in the rear and the lady going you know, lady to cleave it. Up yours. Yeah, 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 yeah. Reputation is everything, folks. Yeah. I, I have totally forgot this. It's been too long. I mean I remember watching the films, but yeah. <laughs> I don't but no, um, that. I don't remember that scene. But okay. Oh, those are good ones. The, but but the reputation rules. Oh no, you can. I wouldn't say really turn the screws on your players, but you can make it where your reputation, if if your campaign world is that big enough, where your characters' exploits get out there. Yeah. It could be a problem for, it's like, yeah, I'll make this diplomacy check. What do you mean? How did they hear about the, the, the thing with me and the pineapple and the, yeah, you know, just, yeah. All, because, all, jokes because aside, all jokes aside, <laughs> this is not the hill you want. None of these things are the hill you wanted the characters to die on, okay? They're right, all, but I mean. They're just all part of the overall malaise that you're trying to inflict upon the PCs until they succeed at defeating the big bad and winning through to the to the, to the completion of the adventure. But it can be reputation of thing can be a way to give your PCs a challenge. It's like okay, okay, uh, Desmond, Z's character, you got to sit there and try to convince these God fearing Christians in relatively rural Georgia that despite the mistakes you made in your past, you are willing to teach because you are a world known singer and drummer and percussionist and songwriter. You are willing to now take on being the music director at this church because you have experience in music theory. You have to now try to convince these people. So yeah, it it sounds like an altar they, call is in order. Well, yeah, but 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 yeah, I Z and I had a long talk about, it, and this was the most recent Maze World game. So I had to, you know, I Gene and I talked about a uh, Perky got talked about, it and I said, oh no no no, he's going to have to work for this because of this 
highfalutin rock star lifestyle and he's down here in this area and this mindset and this culture oh no z's gonna have to jump through some hoops with desmond in order to gain these people's trust and eventually he did but i even explained to z and i've known him for 15 years i've i've you've got i've talked about z on this this is um yeah. soon to be pixie's uh uh, stepfather um yeah no in this mindset and you're just think about it do the math so you are gonna have to work hard and your reputation will not help you here and so he acknowledged that and did his best and basically had to suck up to these townsfolk in calhoun georgia that despite his past he was on redemption and you know faked a little of the well i'm looking for a higher power and all this and he he, he caught on and they were like Oh, you're looking for the Lord to save you. Okay, yeah, come on in, brother. You know, and ended up teaching these kids how to sing and play drums and play guitar and help make a church band and all this. But yeah, I put him, I I, I turned the screws just a little bit to, to help his story in a kind of a, I guess, a redemption arc yeah. in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, yeah, you yeah. should always offer a path of redemption to even the bad characters if possible. I mean, you know, the bad, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's part I, of a, a heroic play, but, you know, it's, and, and it gives the yeah, player. I'm kind you know, the player character's skills in in actually applying it to their own lives. <laughs> So, yeah. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm doing that now in the Hardwired Hinterland campaign, the big bad I was going to do against my NPC. Well, no, he got there 50 years before, so he's had a change of heart. Yeah, he's still not he's still not, you know, has animosity toward my NPC. And of course, I'm role playing this out doing the two different voices and the players, you know, Carrie, Gina and Fur get in on it, but I'm like, no, this man has gone through a redemption arc. He's had 50 years and realizing, no, I don't want to kill this man anymore. I still don't like him, but I don't want to kill him. So it's like a frenemy situation. And yeah, redemption arc folks if you can get into a redemption arc in a game it's it's wonderful role playing all right and so yeah the reputation will help with that trying to gain people's trust and turn that infamous to a famous yeah all right well let's so let's let's go over this now you know because they like said we're, we're talking about you know creating um a, a sense of horror uh specifically by using debuffs Okay, so uh, let's just go over the list and make sure we haven't forgotten anything. Okay, okay. so uh, first of all, let's define it. A debuff is inflicting a, neg a negating condition to a healthy state. In other words, it's a minus to what should be considered to be normal, you know, and uh, and, and what you and hopefully what you start off with, but it's always possible you wouldn't. Okay, so first, the first uh, one are minuses to stats that affect performance or ability to resist damage or power effects. That's one of the versions of debuffing. Okay, okay. We, yep. all right. Second are effects that slow or reduce the number of actions that a character can take such as using spells or cold or or even um you know something that causes um shaken condition okay so right. uh, then the third uh, uh, possibility is effects that cause a character to flee or drop necessary items things mm -hmm. like heat metal electricity fear things like that yeah, yeah. okay so that's another way of debuffing. Uh, fourth way is effects that eliminate senses. Blindness, silence, using like thunder wave, something that causes numbness against, again, cold or something else. An overpowering stench means you can't smell. And probably one of the ones that's almost never used is vertigo, where you literally can't stay standing up. You end up, uh, you know, unless you make a some kind of a tremendous re resistance, you end up falling to the ground, retching, sometimes not even able to stand up. 
uh, I know people who have ver who have had vertigo, and it's actually easy to happen, uh, especially when you suffer hearing loss. Ear, uh, inner ear damage, yes. Yeah, inner yes. ear damage, which can be caused by hearing loss. And all of a sudden, you know, they literally, you know, they can't look up because they're, they're hit with tremendous vertigo. They can't drive a car. They can't walk up and down stairs. Um, oh, no. my Yeah. yeah. Um, All right. My old coworker, yeah, real quick, my old coworker Chuck, I guess he poked too far into his ear and then he was, oh, I have Eric's, Eric's. Okay, at work, it acted up. Go drive to the clinic. He drove to the clinic just fine. He got out of the car. How can I say this about my dear friend Chuck? He hit the, the asphalt of that parking lot with a thorn. As soon as he tried to stand up and get out of the car, boom, he said he hit the ground hard and he said everything was spinning. I'm like, yeah. dude, that's vertigo. You pierced your eardrum. Well, yeah, they found that out when I got in there after I had to practically crawl in there. <laughs> I'm there at my old job face palming. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, you, when you have you don't vertigo, get ear, you don't get Q-tips anymore. Yeah. Yeah. When you have vertigo, it doesn't mean necessarily that you feel dizzy, though. That's usually accompanying. It means you really don't know which way is up, and so yeah. he, so he literally falls down because he doesn't he doesn't know how to tell his body to keep himself upright. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. So anything that eliminates a sense can uh, is that is that kind of debuff we're talking about, which would and, include sense of balance. Yeah. Right. Right. So you know, and uh, think of it as being under a permanent grease spell. Oh, where you have to make a balance check just to even do a half move. Oh, right. or acrobatics mm, check. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Ow. Okay. So, all right. So that's that. You know, uh, and and this. You know, there are lots of spells in D and D for creating these kind, and most game systems that have you know things like uh, uh, oh, um, sting. Uh, uh, sting bang grenades, uh, flashbangs, uh, yeah. things like that. You know, they 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 deal with this kind of thing to basically do shock and awe because it causes the person to be debuffed. The people in the area. Well, yeah, it assaults both sight and hearing right. simultaneously. So quick, yeah. Flashbang grenades are a great way to just get somebody just what's the term totally discombobulated. Yeah, right. right. Okay. Uh, effects that lower initiative check results, so the opponents always move and act first. Um, slow, I think, does that. Uh, but anything that, uh, that that it has that kind of effect, um, I don't think the Savage Worlds actually does that because I'm like, you know, uh, there there are some feats that allow you to like take two cards on the initiative. And I don't think there's anything causes you to lose that ability. If it did, then that would be something like what we're talking about. Uh, yeah. But, uh, okay. Uh, and, of course, uh, uh, effects that destroy equipment, armor, breach environmental protections, such as environmental suits, things like acid, rending attacks, disintegration, rust monster attacks against our poor fighters, green slime that, you know, uh, which is twofold. One is... Uh, if you don't get it off of you, you turn into green slime and are basically dead. But also, yeah. you you don't you, you have to take immediate remedial actions. You have to like be scraping that stuff off of you, which means you can't be fighting. Yeah, because if you're fighting, you're being turned into green slime. <laughs> So, you know, the GM can say, oh, well, yeah, you know, he says, you notice that your right arm has gone numb <laughs> while you were swinging okay. that sword, you know? Yeah, 
oh, and I am reading the next three or four lines, and I will let you do this, but I'm going to say this first, my old friend Bruce, just with what you came up with here, you are an evil, evil man. Thank you. Thank you very much. So uh, <laughs> there are two examples so, here involving golems, yeah. okay? One is a golem covered in green slime, okay, because stone doesn't get eaten by green slime, but in fact is, is that golems are pretty much immune to all these kinds of attacks anyways, okay? The, the worst version of it, because he comes over and attacks you. When he hits you with his fist, he sprays green slime on you. You come over and you whack your weapons against him. It sprays green slime on you because you hit, you know, like a hammer is going to squish and splatter and it's going to come back on you. Yeah. An iron golem is even worse. Because not only uh, because since it is a golem, it can't be affected by by the green slime. And if you fireball it to destroy the green slime, which is a common thing, it actually repairs the golem. So it basically heals the damage that the golem has taken already. So yeah, you can really really mess up people. You can just see these golems coming in, and was like, okay, I think we can handle it. And then all of a sudden, the slit opens, and green slime just splatters down all over the golems, and they keep moving. And you're like. That bright green color, you know it's green slime. You're like, oh no, what are we gonna do now? And again and again, sir, you were an evil, evil man. I am. I, I am. read this earlier and I'm just like, oh, that is not right on a myriad of levels. Okay, we're doing this episode. <laughs> yeah. All right, right, right. <laughs> okay. Um, anything that reduces your chance of success using skills and pain is a number is a is a a big general purpose kind of thing. In the Tritech system, there are uh, modifiers for injury, and one of them is pain. Extreme pain is like a minus four for you to succeed, you know, to to to, to make any kind of a skill check. It does, you know, and that includes attacking in in, the, in that system. So pain is, you know, also sickness overall, you know. But again, you know, sickness it 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 differs by the skills, you know. Uh, some sicknesses affect your constitution, some sicknesses affect your dexterity, some sicknesses affect whatever. Pain affects everything. You know, uh, okay. Uh, I mean, really, real it quick. should. should. Yeah, but yeah, real sense. quick, sir. Real quick, sir. Inflict pain. The spell, it is well, mostly a second level spell, third level sorcerer spell. Uh, okay. You telepathically rack the target's mind and body with agonizing pain that imposes a minus four penalty on attack rolls, skill checks, and ability checks. A successful will save reduces the duration to one round. Yeah. Yeah. A minus four penalty on attack roll skill check. I mean, saves are untouched, but yeah, still. Attack roll skill checks and ability checks. Those are three out of the four of the major D20 rolls you're going to make in a game. And so inflict pain, just any, or symbol of pain. That's another one uh -huh. where you see the yeah. single and you read it and all of a sudden you're racked with pain and you have these penalties. Oh no, that, yeah, that's. And on a don't D underestimate using a pain effect. Yeah, in a yeah. D20 system, that's 20% chance right there. Whatever your chance was before, it's now down 20%. Yes. Oh, nice on the math, sir. Yes, thank you. Yeah, and, uh, and, uh, and of course, you know, it doesn't have to be a spell effect. It could be an aura around the monster. So yeah, yeah. You know, so it, even though you saved and reduced the effect down to one round, the next round you're gonna have to check anyways, because it's gonna hit you again. So oh, I'm sure that there are plenty of plenty of monsters in the six bestiaries that are out there for Pathfinder that have some type of pain aura or some effect. If you hit them, you suffer pain because right. it like reverses the damage or whatever. Oh yeah. 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 Some, there are some monsters that as long as you're near them, you're going to be debuffed just because they're there. And of course that's the, the whole basis of call Cthulhu. So yeah. Ah, uh, yes. 
All right. Now, here's something that's a little bit, uh, we haven't talked about it yet, and it's a little bit, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's rarely in systems, okay? And it's called, and I called it unlock or fortuity. Uh, basically, it's subtle. But how many times, you know, do we dodge those slings and arrows of misfortune every day? And, you, you know, it's like, did you fill your water tin, your water bottle? No, you didn't. Okay, now you don't have water because you had bad luck. Uh, you know, how, how, you know, clean was that water? Oh, now you have dysentery oh uh you know uh, and that food you know you you uh you bite into it and you feel something squirming because it's got you know there's some rotten meat in there or you know you you anytime you had an opportunity for something bad to happen to you whether it's a shoe come off your horse or a uh a, a cotter pin on the wheel of your wagon or even the um uh, the the you know the straps you're using to control your horses or the the th thing that that holds your shield to your arm any of those things can snap at any moment you know uh, the worst case scenario is literally where your sword breaks because you know you know oh no there is a and and I'm gonna be reaching back here the hero system and you add the unlock disadvantage where you could roll 3d6 and I do believe it would impose I think it was on a 3d6 like 8, 11, or 14 or less, and it would end up inflicting penalties on rolls at inopportune times. Mm -hmm. It's been a what people, it's been like 25, 30 years since I've used the hero system, but I do remember unluck. Right. Um, so that's that system does have a a a mechanic to have fate kind of, you know, <clears throat> dry fornicate you, we'll put it that way. Right. Uh, yeah. Sure. Uh the uh, oh and I just lost what I was gonna say. Um, sorry. It's all right. Um, uh, oh, uh, weapons. Uh, most weapons have a misfire percentage. All of a sudden, your gun jams. All of a sudden, oh, yeah. Then in uh, Pathfinder for firearms, yeah. Minus one or, or one or two roll on a lot of the early firearms, you get a misfire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you have to clear it, you know, in, in, which requires a, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, repair check in combat. Um, what I usually do and drop the gun and pull out something else. Keep, keep going. No, what I usually do for when you are using some type of firearm or energy weapon mm -hmm. and you roll in that one, hi, you spend your next full round action clearing your gun so it'll work again. Yeah. And amazingly, my players have accepted that. It's like, okay, yeah, my gun jams or it shorts out and I got to sit there and mess with the clip and smack it a couple times to get it to fire. And yeah. Right. Well, some monsters, because of the fact that they literally alter reality around them, can can basically make your chance of misfortune increase. And so here you are suddenly like not being able to trust, you know, your what you would consider to be your normal chances of doing something, you know, where right when you need something the most, it fails you where, you know, just every, you know, everything, everything you've ever seen in the movie where you're like, why didn't they do this? Well, you know, maybe there was unluck involved. Okay. So Murphy uh, has noticed you and decided he does not like you. That's right. Murphy's working for the other side. <laughs> no, we have Mur well, we have Murphy's law. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Then my dear late friend and former gamer Charles Stockton had Sullivan's corollary, which is Murphy was an optimist. <laughs> yes, I remember those dear words from my late friend Charles, and I have treasured them throughout the years, and they have often applied in real life too. So yeah. Right. Now the yeah. last the last thing that can happen uh, is loss of faith, which is really important in a horror game because a lot of them have these religious aspects to them. Okay? Yeah. Uh, 
TriTech system has a piety score. What happened, you know, there are things that can happen that will debuff that piety score. Uh, one of the most, the, the clearest examples of that is where you have a priest that is engaging in an exorcism. The demon gets to reverse exercise the priest. Whoever's piety score hits zero first, you know, if it's the priest, the demon gets to attack the priest without any penalties. Okay. If the, uh, uh, if, if the priest manages to, if the demon score goes to zero, then the demon has to either obey the priest or the source, you know, the carcist, uh, or they, they get banished. Okay. So there are, there can be real in game effects from loss of faith. But there's also the fact that uh, when a character loses faith, just think about how many movies you've seen where this has happened, okay? They usually become depressed. They become uncertain, okay? There's a loss of the ability to intimidate others, to persuade. And they, uh, you know, and they also have, a, you know, their spirituality is reduced. So I'm just saying all the stuff we talked about as far as, you know, the Savage Worlds and the spirit check, these are all things that, if you lose faith in a role-playing situation, you could see a minus being applied progressively, perhaps, okay, to your spirit check, to your saving throws in general. I mean, just, you know, uh, because of the, the fact that this cornerstone, if this is a cornerstone to your character, to their, their ability to survive in this world, their touchstone, and you, you erode that, by you know bad things happening, by magical effects, by whatever, then you should see a negative effect on uh, on that character. So yes, we, we did put a faith-based feat in Bureau 13 OGL. It is on page 27 under the skills section. Pious, and it is a free feat for the Acolyte class from Urban Arcana. Once a day in a critical situation, a character with this feat can draw upon divine forces to get himself out of the situation. The player gets to re-roll the saving throw or skill check, but must take the second roll, good or bad. So yeah, we did put a little bit of that, and that was probably either your or John's idea, because I know that I didn't you know, do the feat stuff for that but yeah there's something in bureau 13 where you can call on higher forces and you can just say yeah you're surrounded by demons you're in a cultist lair god's not listening to you he will take a message and will get back to you as soon as possible you're right. neck high in demonic forces the if pious feet doesn't work here right yeah. if you're a sacred yeah. character and you lose faith in your higher forces coming to your aid you're not going to ask them to come to your aid and nor should they well, listen that, to you well that's kind of like the pathfinder thing about you know they have the thing about ex clerics where you lose your faith and it's where you either have to go on a quest or have someone cast the atonement spell on you yeah, that means you lose your powers, your spellcasting ability, your auras, or if you're an ex-paladin, you lose that aura of courage, your disease immunity, your spells, all the little buffs that you get as a paladin that make you, you know, graced by your deity. Yeah, it's right. Well, in, like in the tritex, yeah, in the tritex system, some of the some of the benefits to a priestly or a religious character uh, who has a high piety is uh, healing. Ask you know, asking yeah. for you know healing. Uh, magic resistance, um, as you say, that one, you know, being able to call out for aid. If you lose piety as a result of some of these things happening to you, then this is going to reduce the amount of healing you get. And for you and for your companions, it's going to reduce yeah. your magic resistance, which is going to make it harder for you to resist those magical um, uh, horror effects. Uh, 
And of course, you know, your those higher forces may or may not listen to you anymore, you know, or at least not this next time when you, you know, when you really need it because you're going to fail that role. So, you know, tracking this is important, and it is a way, and it is a way for the GM to debuff your supposedly, you know, you know, unassailable holy character simply by continuing to erode that piety that that character might have by by things that happen during the game. All right. Well, that was the list I had. Is there any other debuffs you guys can think of that uh, we can apply? Uh, I don't have any uh, specific ideas right yet, but I did have one piece of advice I wanted to uh, give for homebrewing your own like fear, mental stability, panic system. Um, Okay. That was... Fire away, good sir. uh, The way I look at it, when you're looking at like horror movies and horror video games there's usually like two forms of like mental trauma a person will experience from what we've seen there's the fear of physical injury and then there's the sort of fear of reality not being what you thought it was or losing the status quo of your 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 life um and so what i might do (laughs) is like one is the zombies are going to eat you the other one is the zombies going to eat your family or you know cthulhu is about to to squish you or cthulhu exists and is going to rip a hole in space time that you know that's the two types of fears i see so if you're homebrewing your own uh, system what i would recommend is maybe whichever particular trigger causes a pc to you know drop below your sanity threshold or whatever and, and gain a trait maybe try and pick a trait that matches the trigger so if they've gone below their their sanity threshold due to outright fear of getting eaten or some other physical direct physical trauma to them give them a mental quirk or, or uh, insanity or madness whichever term your system or you coming up you come up with that will affect their physical stats and then if it's a more dissociative type of fear or it's you know fear of you know reality not being as they thought then you can give them a, a quirk that affects their more mental traits that's it that's all that's the advice okay. i have Okay. Yeah, the whole thing about your where you realize that things are bad for uh, not just for you, but for everybody. All I'm thinking is Ghostbusters. Ray is gone. Bye bye, Egon. <laughs> Do you have any other suggestions? Sorry, Venkman. This whole experience is you know exploited my capacity for rational thought yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a state puff marshmallow man yeah yep yeah so as soon as you said that i was thinking that whole ghostbusters bit where ray would just went <laughs> ray is not here right now if you leave a message he'll come back when he regains his sanity yeah uh, but no i do like think, that yeah because like you know we were talking at the start of about like a and how the professors who can read the books are usually the first to go usually because in my mind it's because they found out that reality isn't what they thought it was and it's starting to chip right. at their sanity and so right when they you know finally go over the edge to you know cuckoo ben i'd have them have a mental quirk based off that disassociation with reality while you know, their fighter types who are more afraid about having their eyeballs sucked out of their heads, their mental quirks are going to be based more around the fear of their own personal safety and, and avoiding injury. Well, yeah, you you kind of have to tailor the insanity and the penalties and depending on the experiences of that particular character. Yeah. Yeah, the professor, he's been reading all these books and realizes that, oh, we are much smaller fishes and it's a much bigger damn pond. Okay. The fighters, they worry about, you know, more 
what's the term I'm looking for here? More corporeal issues. I'm going to die from a bullet through my head. Oh, what do you mean? This thing doesn't use bullets? What? <laughs> it affects your thoughts and your emotions and your very soul? Okay, these are things I, you know, it's the Hawkeye and Black Widow thing in Avengers. This is magic and gods and monsters and things that we weren't trained for. Scaling the quirks for your character type. This is another one of those that we are going to file in, and I am hereby making a GOTF box. Things that require higher level GMing. Mm. Tapering penalties and quirks and whatnot to your particular player. And every player has an archetype. I, I, I mean, could you could sit- do it either way. You, I, you could do it based off of the character themselves and their archetype, or like, like I'm recommending is you can do it based off of the trigger like what caused them to yeah okay yeah because the 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 professor might he might honestly be not at all triggered by the books he's reading maybe he can handle it fine but as soon as he he, he's he's already kind of teetering on the edge so as soon as he gets to that you know underground lair and and the the eldritch horror is standing in in the flesh before him and nearly smacks him upside the head that's what sends him over the edge and so now he's afraid of going into uh, uh, combat. Like he won't even think about going anywhere near. Like oh no no, a, a cave. he ends up becoming <laughs> yeah no. It's like no, that's a fight there. I'm not doing that. No, again, and that's we are going to put all of what Jonathan said in the box of what gaming on the fringe here calls something that a higher level GM will need to know how to do. Yeah, it's something because to, to that work you, towards. You, you're going to need yeah you're going to need that experience to know. And to read your players and and their characters and the character type. Again, we all play off of archetypes. You yeah. could look at any character anybody comes up with, and you're going to trace it back to some archetype we all know from literature, pop culture, what have you. And a good GM is going to say, okay, it's you're going to tailor this to this. All right. Because you could see, okay, these are boom, boom, and A yeah. equals A, fine. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, uh, I did. You know, I I don't want our our listeners to think that we're saying you have to be an expert, you know, legendary GM. Oh no, no, no. This is no, 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 no. We're just saying that this is something that a fledgling GM would probably find a little bit too too much to handle. But if you're willing, you know, but if you have experience, you know, you got a, a campaign under your belt, and you know, you've done the research, and you're willing to do the work, you know, and you've got a, a players who are willing to work with you, then I, uh, you know, you could do this and, you know, you could do a little bit. Team goals. You will all be rewarded in it. Yes. Right. You could do it a little bit. You can do it a lot. Okay. It just depends on how far you want to, to, to take this. Okay. But you know, it's just no, you know, uh, so it's just, uh, and it's okay to try and fail, you know, because that's how you learn. And then you mm-hmm. next time you try, yeah. you do it a lot better, okay? Mm-hmm. So GMing and playing RPG games is an iterative learning process, and I, we want you to not at all be, you know, intimidated by this. We want you to, yeah. you know, to see this as a challenge, a challenge that you should uh, aspire to and, and, and succeed at, because that's because we're giving you the tools that we think you yes. need in order to do it. So please take this this information we give you in this uh, in, in these episodes uh, to to achieve those very things. So okay, uh, I will I I will real quick I will say this now. Okay, then I misworded what I said just now. If you are willing to do this and shape quirk to player, it will take work. But if you are willing to do the work and the player is willing to do the work, everybody at the table will be rewarded. Okay, how is that? That sounds great. Okay. Okay. All right. There.
Thanks, everybody, for listening to us. Uh, and we hope that you will take these ideas and implement them in your game. And please let us know if you did. Uh, because, I mean, these are things most, you know, all of us, as you hear, we've tried doing in our own games. You know, so, and we're going to, now that we've cons distilled it down into this thing, maybe we'll take our own advice and actually raise our level of game up a couple of notches, too, since we've basically, you know, given ourselves a toolkit to do so. So we're yep. going to have more for the, uh, more like this for you next week, but you're going to have to wait until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license, no commercial reproduction, and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.